Time to run. The Extra Mile Podcast Galloway Edition. Podcast Galloway Edition is a podcast for runners of all abilities who want to learn everything they can about the Galloway Run, Walk, Run training method right from Jeff himself. This podcast will run, walk, run you right through Jeff's 20-week half-marathon training schedule and gently get you to the finish line of your half-marathon injury-free. to the Extra Mile Podcast Galloway Edition, Episode 5. This is your host, Kevin, and I'm out today on a walk, actually. Um, I did my long run yesterday, about 24 hours ago, and my legs told me today, Kevin, let's go for a walk. That's as opposed to trying to go for another run today, so... Um, I, I also have to admit, I have a Fitbit. Um, I won't go into that on this episode, maybe maybe some other time. But suffice to say, a Fitbit is a uh, like a pedometer on steroids. And it's very motivating to me because I have a certain number of steps that I try to average every day. And if I took the day completely off, it would really mess all that up. So anyway, that's a long way of saying that I'm out for a walk today. Very pleasant Friday afternoon. A little bit on the windy side, so if you're picking up any of that wind, I apologize. So episode five. Whoa. We're going to catch up with Jeff and talk about weeks 10, 11, and 12 of Jeff's to finish half marathon training program from his training programs book. And if you stop to think that week 17 is the goal race date and our episode today is going to bring us up through week 12 you got to be thinking this thing's getting close um within weeks 11 or 10 11 and 12 we're going to have a long run of 11 miles now 11 miles happens to be the first time some of us will have ever run double digit miles And I don't want to discount that fact at all because it can have not just a physical impact on us all. It can certainly have a mental impact. And so let's not take that lightly and let's talk a little bit about that with Jeff on today's episode. And in addition, it might just be the first time any of us has been on our feet for over two hours. 
so let's not take that any any lighter and one of the things that you'll find that is going to become very important as time on your feet increases is the topic of nutrition so once again Jeff and I will delve into the topic of nutrition on today's episode as well also I got to tell you and I've said this before that I absolutely love every time Jeff and I get a chance to talk but this discussion for lack of a better term at some points turns into something that I'd like to call Jeff Galloway unplugged Jeff will get into some very personal moments with us not just about his own running and uh, pay attention because I don't know if Jeff has mentioned this anywhere else before other than on this podcast um, as far as his own training and a particular goal Jeff has in mind and Jeff's also going to share his thoughts on a dedication he did on what is my favorite Jeff Galloway book so I think you're going to like Jeff Galloway Unplugged in this edition and speaking of books Jeff and I are going to talk about that favorite book of mine and the topic of not necessarily winning the battle but winning the war this will become obviously clear in our talk and I hope you enjoy that as well we'll also have a couple of questions from some listeners for Jeff which he will delve into and and add his insight to and then we will shift gears a little bit and we'll talk to our three Galloway guinea pigs as well as coach Chris some pretty great insights as our guinea pigs approach quickly approach I should say actually their goal races some uh, some great stuff in this episode so let's get to it huh you and I'll chat again at the end and let's all enjoy our extra mile Let's head over to my favorite part of the show on the Extra Mile Podcast Galloway Edition Hotline, and we've got Jeff Galloway with us again today. Hi, Jeff. How are we doing today? Doing well, Kevin. I just got some, a good dose of endorphins out uh, on a trail run, so I'm feeling right good. And uh, you and I spoke a little earlier, but the weather's starting to cooperate down there in Atlanta a little bit more for you, too, huh? Yes, and I... Uh, have gotten reports from about 70 of my e-coach clients during the past week and a half, two weeks. And generally speaking, around the country, the uh, temperatures have been going down the last two weeks. So we're starting to get some fall weather, and it's welcomed. Must be um, half marathon and marathon season coming up then, huh? That's right. That's exactly right. This is uh, The fall actually enrolls more total number of half marathoners and marathoners than other seasons of the year although i will say that the winter is is catching up <laughs> <laughs> i always, it, with me it was always fall just because i i would rather train for an endurance event during the summer than i would would during the the winter months you know for a spring kind of a marathon or half marathon but i guess it's whatever you whatever you used to well, I, it's really interesting to see people's different opinions on this. Uh, those who don't like heat, of course, 
uh, gravitate towards training during the winter season for a spring race. But those who uh, can't stand cold weather, and, and you know, I I don't like it. I can put up with it, but uh, those folks usually gravitate towards running in the summer for a fall event. Well, listen, before we um, get into the meat of this deal, um, let's talk a little bit about where you've been in the last couple weeks since we spoke last and, and uh, where you're jumping on an airplane tomorrow morning for. Um, last time we spoke, you were heading out to, um, to to Disneyland for an event. How did that go? That was a fabulous weekend, a little bit different this time because they had the Dumbo Double Dare in a 10K on Saturday and a uh, half marathon on Sunday. I've never done one of those two-in-a-row type events at Disney. Uh, I guess not really anywhere that I can think of. But in any case, I did it this time, and I really enjoyed it. Um, it um, Those distances, 10K and half, uh, don't tend to really wipe you out as maybe the goofy does with a half and then a full the next day. But I, I'll tell you, I, I saw... Uh, literally thousands of people come and pick up their Dumbo Double Dare medals and uh, come away with a big haul of either three or four medals for the weekend, coast-to-coast being that fourth one. If you ran a a race in Orlando earlier in the year, then out there in Disneyland you can pick up the other one. The other thing about Disneyland is everything is so close, and you can – uh, walk from your hotel directly to the start and walk back from the finish, and there's just a lot of stuff going on for family members right there. It's a very convenient campus. And um, how did you do with the double dare? In the, uh, in well, the- I um, uh, decided to just do, uh, sort of take it easy for the uh, 10K, and uh, that was a good thing because I – uh, wound up sort of embedded in um, the D group, which was, you know, the next to last group. Um, and so I just sort of ran through that. My my idea and goal for the uh, half marathon the next day on Sunday was to try to see if I could run um, faster than 10 minutes per mile uh, during the whole thing. And the reason is um, I've got in the back of my mind the idea that I'd like to qualify for Boston again, and I hadn't done that in 25 years. But I'd really like uh, to do it because of what happened in Boston, and I need a 9.30 pace or so uh, at my age to be able to do it. So um, I started out with that in mind, and uh, two things intervened. I I ended up uh, getting out to the start late because of some other obligations that I had, and um, I was in the back of of the D, so it took a good while to work my way through the crowd there uh, and get into some regular running. Uh, But the second thing was people wanted to take pictures during the race itself, and so I had, um, naturally I wouldn't... (laughs) would wouldn't uh avoid that i i love to have people who want to take pictures with me so we uh i i uh had two or three people every mile uh stop me and say can i take my picture with you and that's fine (laughs) sure yeah well maybe i could suggest what you're gonna have to do is one of those i forget which disney race it was where they where they dress up and you're gonna have to do that so nobody knows who you are 
Ah, incognito. Uh, there you go. There you go. Um, and also, you had a um, a corporate event there in Atlanta that you're that you're very much involved in. How did that go? Yes, um, I've been the race director for the Kaiser Permanente Corporate Run Walk. It's a 5K, and uh, it it's a very different type of a, an event. Not only is it uh, for corporations, individuals can join, but it's mainly a team builder uh, with a wellness theme, an eight-week get-in-shape program. So I designed the get-in-shape program. People go through eight weeks. A lot of companies use this as an entry-level wellness program, and um, a lot of them simply use it as their wellness program throughout the year. Uh, Bottom line is we've been doing it now for 32 editions, 32 years, and um, this year we had um, we've been up in attendance for the last six seven years now. It was uh, seventeen thousand five hundred people. It was just really a huge event. But the interesting difference is, it's not a morning race. It, it's run on a Thursday after work, uh, stage at Turner Field, where the Braves play, and the course goes right through the middle of downtown Atlanta. So. There are a lot of challenges, but let me tell you one thing about my my team that uh, that put on this event. They are so good that even though there were about a hundred tents and all the paraphernalia up all over the parking lot, they had that stuff broken down so that the uh, people who attended the Braves game the next day could come in and park. So That's well, cool. I've got good people, and I'm so proud of them oh you should be i would i would guess that with the um current environment as far as you know people being being out of shape as well as combined with the um uh, uh changes we've got coming up in our healthcare system that that corporate that whole corporate um, wellness thing should really take off i would hope anyway it has and um let me tell you we've been preaching this since the race started in 1982 and uh, people have uh, consistently given lip service up until about three years ago. And when the um, uh, cloud was on the horizon about just letting your lifestyle go three years ago uh, in insurance, health insurance, the companies really shifted into gear and started promoting this event as a way for uh keep their employees started. And um, it, it's worked. It really has worked. Well, good on you. That's amazing. Good for you. Um, so I know you're getting on an airplane tomorrow morning. I know you have a special place in your heart for the services marathon. I do. So where are you heading? Now, you, first of all, let me say you and I are recording this on Wednesday, September the 18th. So tomorrow morning, the 19th, where are you heading? Going up to Dayton, Ohio, for the Air Force Marathon. I am very excited about that for a lot of reasons. I've had a number of eCoach clients over the years who have run it, and they come back with uh, really glowing words about how well the race is organized, and uh, it's just near and dear to my heart. I uh, was in the Navy. I uh, salute the armed services and what they do for us and protect us. And uh, I just think it's wonderful to be a part of an event that is put on by uh, the Air Force, and then I'll be at the Marine Corps Marathon next uh, month. So it's just uh, 
uh, a neat event for the whole weekend. I've, I've been previewing, looking at the expo and all the clinics. I'm going to be doing a running school uh, on Saturday morning that will, uh, excuse me, Friday morning, that will help uh, people uh, who want to get the last-minute tips or just want to set up their training program to become injury-free or whatever it is. It covers soup to nuts about nutrition, motivation, everything you want, along with a number of other great activities that they have as part of that event. It's a Saturday event, so uh, it gets over really quickly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, that, that race has gone crazy. It's um, right up the street from from my home, and um, yeah. I can tell you that the the uh, the full, the half, the 10K, the 5K, and even the gourmet pasta dinner at this point are all sold out. So wow, that's a popular race. That's a popular race. They do well, it right. Yeah, yeah. And then you, I know you've got a um, shortly after that a beach re- beach retreat. Where is that one going to be? Well, uh, it's down at our uh, main place where we do the beach retreats, and that's uh, Blue Mountain Beach, Florida, right on the Florida Panhandle. We were just down there about three and a half. Uh, weeks ago for a retreat, four weeks ago actually, and um, Barbara and I actually got a few days off to go down there uh weekend before last, and it was just wonderful to run on the trails and to uh, run in the pool. The uh, We have a pool at our retreat uh, location, so we do run in the water, and um, this is a, a great way to learn how to do all of that. We do individualized running form evaluations. And then there's that beautiful white sand beach. It's just so beautiful. And then shortly after that, you're back to uh, Disney World. Yes, for the Tower of Terror uh, 10 Mile, that is a uh, really neat uh, new event. Last year was the first edition for it. And they actually have uh, uh, some of the rides running after you finish and you know most people are finishing right around midnight so you finish and then you can go right on over and ride some of the rides if you've still got yourself together but uh (laughs) it's fun a lot of people do that so you see people walking around the park and it's they got their medals on and big smiles on their faces and they can't wait to get on that ride and it's not lost on me, Jeff, that there happens to be only one book that I'm aware of that actually has a 10-mile training program in it, because that's not that's not a typical distance for a race. No, I don't know of any bo- other book that has that, and that is our basic book, Galloway Training Programs, which also have training for the half and the full. So it ends up having all the events that uh, that Disney produces, although I wrote the book and put the 10-mile training program in there uh, before I uh, had my official uh, training consultation with uh, with Disney, and it just serendipity. It just really worked out. Yeah, yeah. Well, good. Well, listen, let's um, jump into this episode. This is episode five that we're going to cover today, and it covers weeks 10, 11, and 12 of the Galloway to finish half marathon program that's in the training programs book that Jeff just mentioned. And within that time frame, Jeff, we've got another magic mile, and we've also got a long run of 11 miles, and that's kind of the one I'd like to concentrate on today. It's good. the first good. It's the first long run we've had in this program that's double digits. Yes. And um, sometimes mentally that 
that can get to people. So I'd like to talk about that a little bit today. Well, especially first-timers. And uh, don't uh, feel that you're unusual if you are feeling apprehensions when the uh, distance of these long ones get up. Uh, The fact is that a lot of people are so apprehensive about it that they do not go more than 9 or 10 miles in training for it uh, a half marathon event, and sadly, this puts them at a great disadvantage because you get to the, the nine or ten mile uh, point in the race itself, and and most people who've only run that far are spent, and it's really a tough time. And it doesn't have to be that way. So that's why we have these longer runs that go right on uh, a little beyond the race distance. That way, you're not guessing whether you can go the distance. You've already gone there. Yeah, exactly. You're, you're spent. They, they are spent physically and, and sometimes uh, mentally as well. I, I know I've run races before where I, you know, I'd only trained up close to the to that distance, and every step I took, I'm thinking to myself, "This is as far than I've ever run before." This, and that's not necessarily a great feeling during a race. It works on you. Yeah, yeah, it really does. So anyway, let's concentrate on that long run, if you don't mind. So good. Just as an example, if we're if we're going to run 11 miles and we're running at, let's just invent a 12-minute pace, we're going to be out on the road for over two hours. And yes. I'm getting a lot of questions about nutrition while I'm out on the road for that amount of time, which obviously could be, for a lot of people, especially the beginners, the longest they've ever been on their feet. Can we talk a little bit about nutrition and, and, and what you think is important for us? Yes, and and let's... Um this is a very good juncture to talk about that because you really need to get your uh, blood sugar boosting in place as well as your fluids uh, replacement in, in place. The reality is that uh, you're, there's very little blood flow that goes to the gut when you're running, and therefore very little uh, that you consume is going to be absorbed. So it doesn't really matter how much you're sweating. Very little water is going to be absorbed while you're running. Uh, so uh, you don't want to overdrink, but you do want to drink regularly. And uh, the rule of thumb is two to four ounces of water. Uh, and I say water because electrolytes uh, have a high uh, rate of nausea, of producing nausea, because the electrolytes are hard to digest. So they just sort of sit down there in the stomach and and later on, the stomach says, I want to get rid of it. And that's a very uncomfortable uh, position to be in when you're running. Oh, sure. And you can avoid that by just drinking water because water will be absorbed more quickly. And it also uh, causes fewer nausea instances. The other substance that you can ingest for benefit is sugar. And that's for the uh, brain. Uh, not going to really get to the muscles at that point. That takes a much longer period of digestion, absorption, and and so forth. But um, the brain needs sugar. If it doesn't get it, it's going to start shutting things down. So the way that you uh, counter that problem is to have a strategy in place. Uh, and the long runs are the best way to put this strategy into place. Uh, the rule of thumb that I'm giving you has worked for thousands and thousands of people who had problems keeping their blood sugar propped up. And here it is. Rule of thumb is 30 to 40 calories every two miles. And uh, that how you take the sugar 
is up to you, but I will say that the more pure forms of sugar, like sugar cubes, gummy bears, uh, lifesavers, those are the ones that are going to tend to get into the system more quickly and uh, get uh, the sugar to the brain more quickly. But try different things. Try them out. Uh, see what works for you. You could adjust the amounts that I just mentioned and find out what works best for you. Great. That's interesting. Do you, um, do you also recommend just water for full marathon training as well, or as these extend out, do you change that? I do recommend water for full marathons because uh, the same rules apply. You really can't get the benefit of the electrolytes in uh, sports drinks uh, to any extent during uh, a long run. Uh, now, that said, uh, there aren't many people that really need the electrolytes because uh, sodium is the primary uh, electrolyte that uh, your body really does need. And most of us in our society uh, have diets that are so heavy in salt that we have salt in abundance uh, on board. Uh, however, there are few individuals that are low in, in sodium uh, and or potassium, and if that is the case, there are some uh, products that are uh, buffered tablets that get into the system very quickly. But we're talking about a very small percentage of the population that has those problems. Um, the product that I have seen work best in the really, really long events like ultramarathons and Ironman triathlons is called Succeed or S-CAPS, S-CAPS. And um, it is a buffered product, has 40 milligrams of uh, sodium and 30 milligrams of potassium, but it really does get into the system very quickly if you need it. Uh, so anyway, uh, just uh, uh, the, the signs that you might need it are recurrent cramps uh, that are due uh, to... Uh, not exertion, but just uh, loss of, of electrolytes or being low in electrolytes. And the cramps usually uh, occur due to running too far and not taking enough walk breaks. And once you have put the walk breaks in, cramps usually go away. Um, Jeff, do you personally use any sort of, of a sugar booster while you're doing your runs? I do. I uh, have used a number of different things through the years, and uh, currently, the one that has been working best for me is uh, a new all-fruit product called Superfruit, and this um, is um, doesn't have any preservatives or uh, added sugar or anything, but it does have fruit sugar, and uh, I found it very easy to digest. It uh, it comes in little packets that you can just tear open while you're running and, and take, uh, you know a few pellets every two miles or so, and it really has worked well. I've been using it now in my last five marathons. Nice. Okay. Well, listen, I'll um, I'll put a um, uh, a link in the show notes to the super Good. fruit product. Super. And uh, maybe we got time to give that a give that a try. Um, so what about nutrition right after our long run? Is there anything special we ought to think about? <clears throat> after the long run. Uh, the uh, the the reloading meal is probably the most important snack or meal that you can have in the training program because 
you've got a 30-minute window after you finish for reloading the glycogen stores that you have used up uh, from your muscle glycogen. And if you don't reload it then, then uh, there are two negative consequences. First of all, your muscles won't have that fuel in the abundance needed the next time you run, so you're going to feel like you're sort of running on empty. Secondly, you're going to tend to be hungrier throughout the rest of the day. So you've got half an hour to uh, ingest a uh, certain number of calories based on the distance that you covered, and it's 100 to 300 calories, um, but the composition of that is best when it's 80% simple carbohydrates and 20% protein. Uh, there's not many times that I'm going to recommend simple carbohydrates, but right after a run is one of them, and during a run is another one because they get into the system so much quicker. So with that said, um, there are a couple of products that have that 80%, 20% uh, in the mix, Accelerate, which is a sports drink, and Endurox R4. That company got a patent on the 80%, 20%, so nobody else can have that. Uh, but if you're um, someplace uh, on a long run and you don't have those products available, then you can just simply go for the simple carbohydrates because they're going to do most of the good. And uh, so you'll you'll stand a very good chance. Now, the uh, amount that you take depends on the distance of the run. If it's only four miles or less, 100 calories are enough. If it's uh, 13 miles or more, uh, it's uh, 300 calories. Uh, and then if the distance is in between, you're somewhere in between. Uh, so it's not a whole lot, but it is important to consume those calories within 30 minutes of finishing your run. Perfect. Thank you very much. And I'll, um, once again, like I said, I'll put some uh, links in the show notes to some of those products, too. So if you're interested, head over to the website, and you'll see them right there. Um, and there is a uh, Galloway discount on the Pacific Health Club, uh, excuse me, Pacific Health Lab uh, website, and that... Um, the, uh, I guess the code word is Galloway, and uh, you can get a discount based on that. We do have um, the superfruit on our website. Uh, it's not distributed very well right now, and it's it's simply a good product. We've had so many people that have had success with it who have had problems with other blood sugar booster foods. So we're um, going to be distributing it until it gets widely spread. Uh, so anyway, we do have that superfruit on uh, jeffgalloway.com. Good. Perfect. Listen, um, this episode is going to be posted somewhere around five weeks out from our fall marathon. And mm -hmm. to be honest, I've gotten a few emails from listeners who have either just recently joined us but have a really good base built, or actually I've got some from listeners who, even though they've had the best intentions, they've not been able to keep up with their long runs and they just woke up this morning and discovered that there's only five weeks left to their to their half marathon. It's, naughty, um, naughty. Naughty, naughty, yeah, but <clears throat> life does get in the way. Is all hope gone now, Jeff, or is there anything we can do to jumpstart this thing? Well, there are solutions for practically every problem, and certainly this one has a solution. Uh, a very simple one, as a matter of fact. Let's just say that... Uh, you had the best intentions of uh, getting in the 
uh, last run, which was eight or eight and a half miles, whatever it was, and you didn't. Maybe you got three miles. Maybe you didn't get that in. Uh, and so you, um, your last run was only about six miles or so or less. Uh, and yet on the schedule it says 10 miles or 11 miles. So the uh, solution is to take the distance of your last long run within three, maximum four weeks, and subtract that uh, the length of that run from the next long run. So let's say that you ran five miles and the next three weeks ago, and the long run coming up is 10 miles. So subtract five from 10 and you get five miles. What that means is you walk for five miles or even six miles, and then do your run-walk run for the remaining miles. So whatever you are at deficit from not having gone so far, you want to walk those miles at first. And then, Jeff, help me understand then, so I do that, and then now in another few weeks, my long run's not 12, but let's say, I mean 11 or 10 miles, it's, it's 12 or 13. Do I just jump right back in and do run-walk for the entire distance on my next one, or, or do I just... Well, that's a very good question, Kevin, and my answer to that is it's best to be conservative by either uh, walking for at least two or three miles uh, at the beginning of that next long run or to walk more than you normally do in the run-walk-run ratio. So let's say that you're you were using a two and one and were not having any trouble with your long runs, but now you're at a deficit. You hadn't gone according to the schedule. You're having to jump up. So going down to 30-30 or something like that is going to be so forgiving for a two and one person that uh, I've not had anybody yell yet that's had any problem completing the run when they dropped from uh, two and one down to thirty thirty. If you're already doing a thirty thirty or a one and one, then you drop down to run fifteen seconds and walk forty five seconds, and that also has had a, a, a tremendous success rate in allowing people to catch up with the program without beating themselves up. The bottom line on long runs is simply to go the distance, whether you uh, walk it uh, mostly or, or run it mostly, you're going to get the same endurance. And if you're trying to catch up with the program, if you will put more walking into the mix or walk in the beginning, you can catch right up with that program. Perfect, and I'm sure that's good news to a lot a lot of our listeners. Good. Thank you very much for that, Jeff. And I'd like to change gears now if I could, and I want to discuss kind of a selfish topic, and I say selfish for two reasons. One it's the real reason why I, why I use the Galloway run-walk-run method. And two, it happens to be the topic of my favorite Jeff Galloway book. <laughs> running Until You're 100, Jeff. Um, and i got to tell you, this book, when I read I think I probably read this four years ago, something like that. But I, but I had this aha moment when I read this, and I, and I realized that I could use this stuff not just to finish in this case, a half marathon or a marathon or a 10-miler, I could use this stuff to stay healthy for the rest of my life. And I'd like to know, what prompted you to write this book? Well, first of all, uh, I have heard from numerous uh, people, including 
uh, a lot of doctors who've told me, oh, you're not going to be able to run at, after a certain age. You're, you're just going to break down. And that really has run counter to my experience. I have uh, known now uh, several hundred people who uh, are above the age of 85, and they're still running. And uh, they may not be running as fast as they did earlier, but they're really not having any problems of any significance um, as they're running. The other thing that's really coming to the fore here is that there are two fronts that that runners push back uh, when it comes to the aging process. The first one is the physical. And uh, more and more research is now showing that our bodies continue to adapt to what we do regularly. So if we run regularly, um, we rev up so many of the systems and the physiological uh, capabilities and performance uh, capabilities uh, than you'll find in any other activity. So you keep yourself at a a really high level of performance. Uh, Even if you're not uh, running fast, your body's working at a great level of performance and vitality. And you can see this in the runners that you meet that are in their 80s, and now I've met some in their 90s. And there's no way you'd think that they were, were that old because they, they their thinking processes and their vitality and the way they move themselves around is just... Uh, like someone who's 30 or 40 years younger than than they are. Uh, So the the physical is is one of them. If you keep doing it, then the body's going to keep adapting. And so you've got your joints that are going to stay in the maximum uh, capability that they can. And the research backs this up. Uh, The the most formidable study, uh, I guess it's about uh, 10,000 in the study, runners over 50 that have been running for 20 years or more, have less than 25% of the orthopedic complaints compared with non-runners their own age. Now, the other area that's so exciting that um, that there's more and more research dollars every year devoted to it is in the mental side of what running particularly does to keep the circuits in the brain operating, to keep your um, decision-making up there because you're using the conscious brain. And so... The reason I wrote this book, Kevin, is to explain to people that there are huge benefits for staying active and there are more benefits in running than any other form of activity that I have seen the research on. So that having been said, we're obviously not going to do justice to this book, and that's why I recommend everybody get this one. Um, and, and get it soon because it's an amazing book from my perspective. But there certainly has to be some sort of adjustments that we're going to have to make as we age. Can you? Yes. And, and like I said, we're not going to be able to touch on all of them. You have a whole book about it. But can you tell us some some of the important ones? Well, you have to realize that uh, in writing the book, I went into the research. I was very fortunate to. Uh, have some friends who work at uh, CDC and, and related organizations, and they uh, help me identify research in this area. Uh, but I also have worked with thousands of runners over the age of 70 over the years. And so I've become aware 
of what tends to be career-ending for a lot of runners and then what tends to keep runners going. And so in a nutshell, what I've discovered is that if you make adjustments in the number of days per week, the uh, run-walk-run ratio, uh, progressively a little more towards the walking than the running, and then in your nutrition, you can stay active, you can avoid problems for the most part. Uh, Most of the runners in their 80s that I have interviewed, um, the problems that they've had have been related to uh, trying to run too fast. Uh, It may sound strange, but competition and uh, the ego uh, certainly don't uh, go away uh, after any age. (laughs) And there are so many people uh, who, in their 70s and 80s, who uh, contact me every year and come up with some injury, and uh, it's almost always uh, they were in a race and they either wanted to win their age group uh, or they wanted to uh, uh, stay up with a friend or something like this, and and it wasn't real realistic. But if you can make um, the ego adjustment and get away from the orientation of time and then insert the walk breaks uh, as you need them on a day-to-day basis, uh, and then make those nutri- nutritional adjustments uh, with every uh, five to ten years, uh, as I identify in the book. Um, and I got some help uh, from Nancy Clark, who, a friend of mine and one of the most formidable sports dietitians in the world. Uh, she helped me out uh, with that book a lot. Very good. How many how many books have you written to date, Jeff? Uh, Twenty-four. 24 books. So I'm going to test your memory here, and and I already know the answer to this one. um, (laughs) Do you remember who you dedicated this specific book to? The Running Till 100 to my mom. Can you share that story with us a little bit? This, uh, my mom was a wonderful person, and uh, she really didn't enjoy exercise that much. She really didn't start doing any regular exercise till she was in her 60s. And in her 70s, she had a bout with lung cancer. Um, she never smoked, uh, but it was a form of lung cancer that people who don't smoke can get. Uh, she um, had part of her lung removed, and it seemed to be gone. Unfortunately, in her 80s, early 80s, it came back again. And uh, it came back um, in the springtime. Um, she had um, already signed up for our big race in Atlanta, the Peachtree Road Race. And um, unfortunately, the second time around, the lung cancer was right near the heart, and so they couldn't operate. And so she was just going to use alternative treatments and try to deal with it that way. Uh, so anyway, she is um, uh, going, talking about, uh, you know, I don't know what I'm going to do on July 4th. And I was even me, I, I wasn't that enthusiastic about her training for and doing a 10K on a hot day in Atlanta on July 4th. Um, and so I tried to pin her down a couple of times, and she was very evasive about whether she was going to do it. Maybe she hadn't decided, but... 
as it got to be race day, she decided she was going to do it. And so she gets out there, and um, due to the cancer and uh, the fact that she wasn't able to do very much training, she had a lot of trouble and got up to the top of this long hill, cardiac hill, uh, and uh, right where Piedmont Hospital is on the course, and she stopped. She was exhausted. She sat down on the curb, and she didn't have a clue what she was going to do and how, how she was going to get either back home or to the finish line. But uh, she hears this big old sweeping machine come up, and uh, we in Atlanta we call the uh, street sweeper at the back of the pack the grim sweeper. <laughs> because when it catches up with you, your race is over. And so uh, uh, the sweeper comes up and sees her sitting on the side on the curb and says, uh, and stops right there. And so my mom, Kitty, looks up at the guy who's looking out at her, and she waves the truck on. And uh, the the driver <clears throat> opens the window and says, no, ma'am, I'm not going until you get going. <clears throat> so she is, uh, <clears throat> even though she, she's exhausted, she's mad. And that and being mad gets her focused. So she gets back on her feet, and she starts moving them, one step and then another one, and she makes it all the way in with her head held high. And I'll tell you, She's my mom, and I am proud of her to this day, and she just has a, had a determination in life that uh, I, I just uh, can't say enough about. But, you know, I, uh, I dedicated the book to her, and she has, through that story and a number of other experiences in life, given people the power to go on. It was just a wonderful experience to go through with her. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, it's worth the price of, of, of the book just to read the dedication. It's, it's an amazing dedication, and uh, thanks for sharing. If nothing else, Jeff, I appreciate that. Thank you, Kevin. Um, I will put the um, link in the show notes and to, the, um, to that book as well, uh, 1995 on Jeff's website, and it comes with an autograph. So Absolutely. Get over there and check that out. Uh, let's see, Jeff. Um, two very quick questions, if we could, before I let you go for the day, if that's all right. Um, yeah. Our good friend Julia writes. Uh, she has a quick question for Jeff, and she'd like to know if you, if you know if you if you have done any or you know any research on the impact incurred on your back, specifically the SI joint, while you're cycling through the transitions from walk to run and vice versa. Well, there's uh, <clears throat> there's not any research on that that I have found. Um, I've really consulted with a lot of orthopedists, and uh, you get wide range of opinions like you will on a lot of orthopedic uh, questions. Uh, but the orthopedists that uh, look at the research and uh, are the most knowledgeable in my experience tell me that, uh, that running... Um, if you run gently, and I'll talk about that in a second, running doesn't uh, pound the back. There's so many shock absorbers in your feet and your legs and, and your muscles around your spine 
that the spine really doesn't get bounced around. Um, and now the way you uh, keep the uh, feet from jarring <clears throat> yourself, even though that, uh, according to the the experts, doesn't really jar the spine, it can jar the feet and the legs. But the way you keep that down is to simply keep your feet low to the ground, uh, touch very lightly, and have a short stride. That way it is the ankle that does most of the work and is the shock absorber to the system. Uh, and finally, uh, if if someone, uh, and I've had several people that I have analyzed form for, uh, I've, I've given now more than 10,000 um, individualized running form evaluations over the last 40 years. And um, what I've discovered among people that say that they've gotten some back issues from easing uh, out of a walk break into a run and then back is that they usually either lean forward, you don't want to lean forward uh, unless your your back is predisposed to that, and very few people are, according to the research, um, or they are not easing in to the run and, and gliding out of the of the run. Uh, they are uh, starting abruptly and stopping abruptly. So if you can ease into it, ease out of it, that those types of problems tend to go away. But um, there are very few individuals that I have met over the years, and, and I'm talking about literally a handful of three or four, who have had some back issues, and they simply have found that walking works best rather than running. Most of the others I've worked with thought that that was the case until they used the gentle transition of running into walking and gliding back into the walk break and found that their back wasn't um, hurt by it. Good. Good news. And lastly, from our buddy Tom, Tom's found success in his long runs all the way up to 12 miles when he runs about half of it, maybe six miles, maybe a little less, and then he'll take a nutrition and maybe a bathroom break and, and that break lasts five to ten minutes, and then continuing on with his long run. He'd like to know what your thoughts are on, on this kind of a method. Well, any form of a walk break is going to uh, reduce the fatigue experienced on long runs as opposed to running continuously all the way through. Uh, that said, according to what I have found through my experience, if you run for six miles, you're going to have six miles of fatigue on your legs that you're never going to get rid of during that run. So it, you're going to end up being a lot more fatigued than you would be if you took the walk breaks consistently through. And that's why we have uh, in the books the ratios of running to walking based on pace per mile uh, that will give you a guideline as to what has worked best. But that said, I certainly will tell everyone that if that's working for you, you're not tired at the end, uh, you're not having any aches or pains and so forth, then do what works for you. But uh, I will say that a lot of folks who run for six miles in the beginning and then uh, take a break and then run on in, I find that the shorter uh, increments of running with more frequent walk breaks allow them to feel so much better after their long runs. Perfect. Thanks very much, Jeff. Um, 
that's about all I got for today, Jeff. I, um, in our next episode, um, I'd like to tee up the topic that is maybe a little more important to us than even um, us running till we're 100, and that's how to make sure our children can can have a better quality of life than even we have had and uh, make sure that our kids are fit kids. And I know that's a, a topic near and dear to your heart as well, so if it's okay with you, I'd like to delve into that a little bit on our next episode. Well, Kevin, you are making a great contribution to our society by bringing these topics up and making them uh, out front for people. Uh, And as a result, the uh, topic of fit kids is one of them that is uh, very, very prominent today because for the first time in history, uh, because of childhood obesity and the lowered health of the younger generation, it is very possible that our children today are not going to live as long as as we will. So let's, but but this is totally reversible through fitness. So anyway, let's talk about that. That sounds great. Good. I'm looking forward to it. And until next time, um, safe travels, Jeff. And I'm looking forward to um, catching up with you in a couple of weeks. Kevin, I am too. And you have a great series of runs yourself, and I wish to everyone the best uh, dose of endorphins that you can get on every one of your runs. Perfect. Thanks, Jeff. Take care, buddy. See you, Kevin. Okay, bye-bye. Thanks, Jeff. Okay, it's that time again. Let's head over to the Extra Mile Podcast Galloway Edition Hotline and check in with our three guinea pigs as well as our uh, guinea pig leader, Chris Twiggs. How's everybody doing this afternoon? Good. Doing great. 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 Sun shining. The sun is shining, and um, hopefully the uh, hot temperatures are abating a little bit. Yes. Everybody's at. Mm-hmm. I think we're all in the Midwest except for Chris, who's down in Florida. But I think for the rest of us, we're all in the Midwest, and we're getting some cooler temperatures, I think, aren't we? I keep telling people there are houses for sale in Florida, guys. Uh, <laughs> well, you're, you're assuming we all want to run where where it is um, African hot, as uh, as Amanda likes to say. Well, you know, humidity plays a role. That is true. <laughs> well, listen, let's, um, let's get started. And I think today I'm going to start with Suzanne. Suzanne, um, let's remind everybody, is trying to set a PR using this run, walk, run stuff and um, doing, doing whatever Coach Chris tells her to do. Um, Suzanne, I think the last time we spoke, um, you had a um, you had a, a half marathon coming up, and you had a, an eleven mile run was your was your longest run to date, I guess. It was, and it was a pretty miserable one. But uh, as Jeff reminded us in the series, you're going to have one really bad one, so consider it out of the way. Good, you got your mulligan in. I got my mulligan in exactly. Well, um, that was your 11-mile long run? That was the 11-mile, and then uh, this past weekend, uh, or two weekends ago, I had the Chicago half as, a, as my long run, and it was really fantastic. It was warmer than usual. It was my fifth time to run that race, 
And I will say that of all the times that I've run it, this is the, the one time that I felt really strong the entire way, and I never questioned my sanity. Uh, oh, maybe once or twice, but not for you know a couple of miles at a time, and particularly not the last three miles, which is when when one does start to the double digits, you really start wondering what do you why, why am I doing this? But not this time. It was really really great. Um, you said it was warmer than usual. How warm did it get that day? Well, it was it was not. It was not a cool start. That race has never been cool. Uh, I think it was about 81, but we, we, it was overcast, so I didn't have the sun beating down on me, and we had a pretty good lake breeze. Uh, but it, it, was, it was humid. It was humid. But um, it, it didn't feel as totally miserable as it has in the past. But I, I think the biggest difference was that I, it just felt good the whole way. Well, good. Now, let me ask you, at, at, um, at the time the gun went off, uh-huh. did, you, um, did you do your, um, your, your uh, slowdown factor um, from where Chris had had you, you know, um, propose that you go out that day? I had, well, the, the problem with the Chicago half is that it does have a 13-minute-a-mile minimum. Uh, the good news is this is the first year um, that they weren't truly sweeping. They were moving us over to the path. So for the first year, I, I did hit the path. Um, I was moved over to the path, which in itself is not a bad thing because the last three miles is very, very flat. It's on pavement, and the sun beats down, and it's a pretty miserable three miles. On the path, it's a little gentler, and uh, you do have some shade. So it's not all bad, you know, being in the back of the pack. Uh, I started out at 13, and I, I pretty well managed uh, 13, 13 and a half uh, for the entire race. So I'm, I'm, I'm hanging in there at, at what Chris said, and um, I kind of like that pace. <laughs> what, what was your ratio? Uh, my ratio was a 1-1, one, one, uh, maintained it the entire time. My son and my son from another mother both ran with me the first mile. That's our tradition. And then they take off, leaving mom in the dust. But it was, it was great. Is this, is this your son the doctor? Yes, yes. Not the MD doctor, but he's still a doctor, right? He's, um, he's with um, what university? Down he's at Transylvania University. There you go. So, okay, he's, so uh, you, you did a 1-1 the entire way. Felt good. First of all, as an editorial comment, I think I think a 13, 13 um, minutes a mile limit on a race is is terrible, and I don't like that idea at all. But <laughs> I'm not the race director. But anyway, um, so what did you learn? Did you what learn? Did, what did I learn? Yeah. I learned that um, the I think the work that I've been doing made me feel much stronger and much more confident in myself. And some of that uh, had been lost in the past year. Uh, it was, it's having this very uh, stick-to-itiveness. Again, when you've got a coach, you've got the accountability of checking back in with Chris. And I've been doing what he said with 
on occasional can we flip this around and he's been very understanding that it's not everything's not cast in stone but um having felt with the i think with the repeats and with doing the second mile striving for a certain pace uh you you get a better feeling of what your per minute a mile uh pace is and for the first time for the first time ever i didn't go out too fast uh i was able to say okay i don't want to go at the pace of these 12 minute miles i want to kind of slow it down and i think it uh, gives you the ability to to enjoy the entire race i mean there's there was a sign out there that basically said you're not going to make the Olympics, you're not going to win this thing, you might as well enjoy it. So I, I think that maybe that's where I am. The, the, the thing that I've learned on this is not necessarily that I want a personal record, is I just want a personal best. And if I'm doing the best that I can, then you know what, that's pretty good. Yeah, good for you for you and that fits in really well as we discussed earlier of um, what Jeff and I spoke about in, um, in this episode but um, we're in this thing for the long run not for not for the Chicago half marathon <laughs> um, Mr. Twiggs what kind of feedback did you give um, Suzanne after her half I, I am just so proud of Suzanne I really am uh, I think I have learned a great deal from her her positive attitude, the way she's integrating running as, as part of her life. She's not trying to work runs around her life, and she's not trying to live around her runs. Running is just a part of her life, and it, it's all such a wonderful balance, and I admire that, and I think it's something that we can all learn about what we need to be doing to approach fitness as a lifelong goal, not just as a what, what am I going to do training for this particular event. So I'm, I'm very proud of her. She, she presents an interesting dilemma for a lot of us. When we have a race, a, a half marathon or a marathon or whatever it is, when we have a race that we're using as a long run, we have to be cautious about keeping to the pace that we're supposed to run. And, and for Suzanne, for her to stay at her training pace meant that she was bumping up against this ridiculous time limit. That is the most restrictive time limit I've ever heard for a half marathon, 13-minute pace. Most races are 16-minute pace, and a lot of half marathons allow for a much longer time because they allow walkers. So... Um, it's a shame that, that they had that. It's wonderful that they allowed runners and walkers to move up onto the path so that they weren't uh, cut from the event, but that they were able to continue. But it, but it does present a problem. We have to be cautious that we don't get caught up in the event. Suzanne did a great job of maintaining her pace that she needed to do throughout the event, and uh, I'm, I'm interested to see how she performs in her goal half marathon that's coming up. But Saturday. I know, that's right, this weekend. But I know that for her, this has been a successful experiment, and I'm, I'm proud of her, and I'm, I'm really delighted with the way that she has persevered throughout this, and, uh, and I know that she's going to do great things regardless of her time. It, it's going to be a wonderful thing for her. Um, I, I, didn't catch, um, I didn't catch that... Um 
uh, race you got coming up this weekend, Suzanne. What, what's next for you? Oh, it's the Women's Rock, and it is along my regular path. It starts in my front yard. It is a women's race, which tend to be a little bit more of a party. Uh, I I don't know what the the uh, the goal is. It's uh, if, if there is a minimum, it's not as restrictive as the Chicago half. Chicago half is on Lakeshore Drive, so they're shutting down a major artery of Chicago, and it's also the Bears game opening day. So they have to be pretty strict with that one. This one will be on the path. Um, the Men of Women Rock calendar, so we've got male models who will be at all of the, the uh, water stops and passing out champagne and yeah, necklaces. We're, we're aware of that, Suzanne, because Chris and I and Nate are part of that. We're going to be part of that. Awesome. We're on the calendar this year. Awesome. <laughs> My biggest, my biggest concern right now is, am I going to be able to find a top to match the new purple shiny britches that I got uh, for, go. for, this, a, for this race? That, that's a half. You're doing the half. I'm doing the half, yeah. What's your plan? What's Chris got your plan for do, to do this one? I think just go do what I can. Uh, basically, let's see if we can... Remember those 12-minute miles or maybe a shade over 12-minute miles and, and go for it. And okay. if it's as cool as it says it's going to be, you know, who knows? There, there, there may be a, a – I doubt that there will be a personal record, but uh, I think it's going to be a good day. It will be a fun day, and that means it will be a personal fest. Good for you. Well, I can't wait to check back in. Um, and, and, Chris, I can't um, pass this up. Um, we were um, we were kind of jumping on the um, Chicago um, half for its 13 minute a mile um, restriction there. Tell everybody what the um, time limits are at the 26.2 with Donna in uh, in February. Well, uh, that's a that's a wonderful question. I'm happy to talk about that. The marathon is has what has become more or less the standard restriction of a 16-minute-per-mile pace, uh, which gets you into the finish line in seven hours for a marathon. The wonderful thing about that event is that the half marathon starts at the same place as the marathon at the same time as the marathon, and it has the same finish line as the marathon, which means you have the same seven hours to do the half marathon which would mean you could do 32 minutes per mile and still finish that half marathon. It's extremely walker-friendly. It's a beautiful course whether you're doing a marathon or the half. And I am not aware of any half marathon in the world that is more beginner-friendly than, than the 26.2 with Donna half because it has such a uh, generous time restriction. Good for them. Good for them. Okay. Good luck with that, Suzanne, and uh, I'll be um, I'll be sending you my normal text message on uh, on that day. Okay. Thank you. Let me know how that goes. Um, Sheila, you still with us? I am. I'm here. And how's things with you today? Fabulous. All good. Good. All the good. last time we spoke, you had um, 
you had run an 11 minute, or I'm, I'm sorry, an 11 mile long run, and I think you had used the one one ratio up until about six and a half miles, and then you were actually able to pick it up to a two one ratio for the last four and a half, and uh, um, kept the same pace. So good on you. Um, tell me, tell me how the last couple weeks has gone for you. Uh, it's 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 been great really good uh i'm feeling strong i'm feeling good my longest run since we last spoke was um now a 12 and a half miler and i did stick with the one in one ratio like chris prescribed and um it was good i think i still have a little bit of figuring out my nutrition and hydration because the last few miles of that i i did kind of hit a wall and so i think i have a better formula now for my next long run which is tomorrow i have a 14 miler tomorrow so i'm feeling confident that i've got the nutrition hydration formula that i need and i'll get to test it out tomorrow well good for you i I forgot to remind everybody that um, although you've used run walk run you have never run a half marathon before that's right what that tells me is that um, tomorrow you do your 14-miler will be the first time you've actually run the distance of a half marathon, although you're just not going to get your medal for it, right? Right, exactly. How, I'm, I'm how do you feel um, psychologically or mentally with knowing that? Well, you know, I, I feel ready. It, it feels like a, it's going to be a huge accomplishment, and I'm excited to do it, and, and I think I even said that in my one email to Chris, I never thought I'd see the day that I'd really be looking forward to and excited to <laughs> run 14 miles, but here, here we go, and I really can't wait. So. Good for you. You're in, um, you're in Hudson, Ohio, northern Ohio, up near the Cleveland area. Um, I'm assuming you've checked the weather already or, or no? What, what are you yes, thinking? and it's so, supposed to be that, raining, like? so that's okay. I actually kind of like running in the rain, so um, that's fine. It'll be, it'll be in the 60s and maybe raining a little bit so that's fine yeah. as long as there's no lightning i think i i'm, I'm with you i kind of like a little a, a light drizzle or light rain coming down to help cool me off too well and now that i've been running more um in the last few years i think that only the real runners are out in the rain and i yep. think that people are happier like everybody you pass is happier somehow <laughs> when you're running in the rain that's my little observation <laughs> I, I would tend to agree it's that it's that whole um, community of, of runner deal. Uh-huh. And those people that are out there at that point are really want to be there because they love the sport. Right. Um, I'm interested. Um, I'm interested in, in um, how you felt after not just your your 12 and a half, but even your other longer runs because you've never run those kinds of distances before. Um, User run, walk run. I, 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 the reason why I asked this, Sheila, to be honest with you, is that. Um, I, I sometimes I think that we all give the impression that using run walk run you're going to go out and you're going to run your long run whether it's whether it's you know nine or eleven and a half or 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 twelve or fourteen like you're going to do tomorrow and you're going to come back and and feel like you did when you got up that morning that that's not necessarily the case but but relative you know uh, compared to how you would feel had you not taken walk breaks it's it's completely night and day I, I did. Uh, I did 12 and a half miles this morning for my long run, and you know I was um, I was tired and my legs were a little sore at the end. So uh, you know that, that's that's why I'm asking the question. How have you felt after them? Well, um, I have felt 
really fine later in the day. But in both of my two longest runs so far, I think right after, and this is this nutrition hydration formula I'm trying to work on. I, you know, I was a little, you know, a little shaky, a little weak toward toward the end or toward the last last couple miles. So um, I think I definitely need to get. Some, I'm gonna. I've been experimenting on my shorter runs with some different gels and things. So I'll try that and. Um, so I feel a little stronger toward the end. So, but in in really the cases of each of my longer runs, once I got, you know, some nutrition and a protein shake and some caffeine and the right mix in my body, really by the afternoon I was feeling good. I mean, I was feeling as not like I had run a long run at all. So I mean, I really have bounced back each time later in the day, really, really well. Very good. Very good, uh, Chris. What uh, what advice, what impressions have you gotten of, um, of Sheila's training up until this point? And, and specifically, um, have you given her anything, uh, any details for tomorrow's 14-miler for her? Well, I think, um, as first of all, I'm very proud of Sheila. She's doing an amazing job. And we've talked previously on, on earlier uh, episodes of this podcast. We've talked about all of the people that she has inspired, the other folks that, that she's run with or that – she's come into contact with who are getting into running or, and who are trying to run walk-run method because of Sheila's influence. So I'm really, really excited about this, and this is something that we see all over the world with people that get involved and enthusiastic about running and particularly using Jeff Galloway's method so that they're not wasted for the rest of the day, the rest of the weekend, the rest of the week after these long runs. Yes, there's going to be a little bit of fatigue that, that's built up, and that's normal. And, um, you know, one way to, to cut back on that is to increase the ratio to us, uh, to have those walk breaks more often. And so that's why we have talked about uh, keeping to a one-in-one ratio for those long runs. It's even acceptable, it's perfectly all right, to walk more often than that. And, and so, Sheila, if you... If it's hot or if you feel like you want to cut back to even uh, half those ratios, run 30 seconds, walk 30 seconds, uh, then that's perfectly okay to do. And you can probably maintain the same speed while walking more often, and that could help reduce some of that fatigue. Um, Jeff, I don't don't know if Jeff has told you, Kevin, but Jeff has just done some amazing experimenting on himself with run-walk-run and is, is clocking some pretty impressive times in marathons and half marathons by using some really conservative run-walk-run ratios. So uh, it, it's perfectly okay for Sheila to, do, to walk more often and to, to reap, reap that benefit of having those extra walk breaks. As far as nutrition is concerned, uh, Obviously, there's not a whole lot we can do during the run. The body will only absorb so many calories during the run. One of the things that can help is immediately after the run to use a recovery product, something that Jeff endorses and, and that we use a lot in our program. It's a, uh, it's a product called uh, Endorox R4, which is a very good recovery drink, and that can help get those uh, nutrients back into your body immediately after the run and help you recover even faster. I think the stuff is magic. It's a wonderful product. 
but there are other things that people have used and that have success with as well. So I think as long as Sheila just takes it easy, remembers that this is a training run and not to get too uh, caught up in, uh, in trying to go any faster and trying try to play around with more aggressive ratios, she'll do great. And this is the last dress rehearsal before her goal half marathon is coming up in a couple of weeks. Very exciting. Sheila, I assume you have um, sat down at your little computer and mapped out where you're going to head tomorrow. Yes, I have. And, and actually, Chris had some input for me about that because my, um, my half marathon in, in a couple of weeks, is, it, it's got some hills. And so I was, I was asking him, should I try to have a run on a similar hilly profile tomorrow or should I go out on a flat run? There's a towpath um, along the Cuyahoga River. So... He actually recommended the, the flatter run, since this is my longest distance, and it's not really, you know, to simulate the half in that in that manner. So I'm, I'm going to go out on the towpath and do it that way and then get the hills in, which I've been doing on my shorter runs. And um, I don't know if I've asked you this before, but what is your what is your goal uh, half marathon? Which race is it that you're doing? It's the uh, Cleveland Rock and Roll Half Marathon on October 6th. Very good. Well, listen, good luck tomorrow. And, um, Thanks. I can't wait to hear how things go. Thank you. And lastly, but not leastly, assuming that's the word, we have Nate with us. And let me remind everybody that um, Nate has run half marathons before, but never using run, walk, run. Nate, I think the last time you and I spoke, you'd done an 11 miler as well using a 2 1 ratio. And I think. The um, the quote was you felt amazing. And you yep, that's it. Coming up too. So let's um let's talk about what has transpired between the last time we spoke and today. Well, last week I did the Burden Hand Half Marathon in uh, outside of, it's in Lancaster County and uh, did a changed up the ratios per uh, Chris and uh, it went really well. I have plenty more to say about it. <laughs> yeah. but, um, tell me, um, I think your 11-mile, you stayed with a 2-1 the entire time, so I assume by changed it up, you, you varied that a little bit, huh? What would you do? Yeah, I did. Uh, well, like uh, uh, Suzanne, this is the first time ever that I haven't gone out too fast. Um, I had strict instructions on how fast I was allowed to run each mile. Um, I kept to that pretty close. I ran a little too fast on a mile or two, but the first um, first six miles, I was to run a 4-1 and no no faster than a nine minute, uh, or no, no faster than a ten minute mile. And, uh, or is that right? Um, and then uh, the next I'm trying to think. Chris, was it 11 or you were supposed uh, to stay. Yeah, you were supposed to stay at training pace for the first, for at least the first half of the race, and then you were authorized to start picking it up in the second half. And because Nate has been. Oh no, that's training, right. I'm sorry. Let me let me fix yeah. that. That's we did two one for the first part. I'm sorry. I'm I'm mixing that up. Two one to get to uh, the uh, the halfway point, and then I picked it up to three one for the next three miles, and then the last. Um, three miles I did uh, 4-1 and um, those last six miles it was to go no faster than a nine minute mile that's what I did there you and go you stuck to that 
I stuck to that. I was a little too fast, and I th- uh, at one at one particular spot, I think it was a really long downhill. I think that's where that happened. But and, and it, it was. It's, uh, it's not true. It, it worked well. Good. So, um, how'd you feel at the end of this one? I felt really good. Um, I was uh, I was very happy with the uh, time that I got as well. Um, I as I said, I had to hold back. Um, and not go too fast, and I wanted to make sure that, again, that my goal was Hershey, and so I needed to make sure I had a lot left for that. So the um, I felt really good and very positive about the, the run-walk. So technically, uh, Kevin, I, I did run a half marathon now with using run-walk, um, technically <laughs> speaking. Um, but uh, it, it felt really, really good. I, I had a lot at the end. I was able to pass a couple people at the end. Um, again, I'm running against myself and not against any other anybody else. But it was um, it was very gratifying to still have it. And um, actually, the buddy that I mentioned earlier, I um, he started ahead of me, and I ended up finishing before him um, using the run walk. And he commented, "Well, I guess that thing really works, doesn't it?" So. Um, yeah, it was, it was, it was cool. Where'd you catch him, Nate? Um, mile 12. And, and And I I was feeling great. You saw him, right? This wasn't a surprise thing. You saw him from some distance back? Yes, I did. And, um, I actually had a walk break right around then, so I I didn't, kept, kept doing the walk breaks and, um, said, hey, and then, like, see you later. So... (laughs) Uh, okay. And he was hurt. He was hurting at that point, and I was feeling great. Yeah. Um, so. So, um, Chris, what um, what do you think about uh, what do you think about this guy? Uh, gosh, Nate is is absolutely doing everything he's supposed to be doing. Uh, I know that he's feeling a little bit like a caged animal and just wants to be allowed <laughs> to run fast. And, uh, but he has set himself a very ambitious time goal. He knows it's an ambitious time goal. And so we've, I've adjusted his speed work that we're doing. We've, we've adjusted some of his other runs. And he's making a real go at having a significant personal fastest time. And, yes. uh, and so we're, we're excited about that. Uh, he's, he's, doing, he's doing a great job, and we're... You know we're gonna we're gonna give it our best shot at this, and the fact that he was able to hold himself back during this last half marathon because it was a training run is truly significant. So many people will run these races; they'll try to race themselves into shape, which can work sometimes with 5Ks. But for these longer races, when you try to go out at close to race pace or close to goal pace hoping that eventually you'll be able to reach full pace. Too often the whole season goes by and you haven't been able to do what you needed to do because you were going too fast on those long runs. So Nate did a great job. He ran that half marathon to perfection, and he still has a couple more long runs in him before we get to the goal race. He's got some significant speed work he has to do before we get to the goal race. Uh, But, I'm, gosh, I'm just so excited for him. Um, can I comment on the, the? Can I comment on the speed work? Um, <laughs> I did ten eight hundreds and uh, this last week, and 
crazy thing was nobody else was on the track. It was a beautiful morning. I don't know why people were sleeping or I don't know. They must have been on the roads. Um, but I literally had an hour and a half on the track by myself. And that was super challenging because I couldn't pull from anybody else's energy. And uh, just they were – it was tough. It was really tough. Sure. But uh, I feel great. So I'm, I'm really excited about all this. And I have a 15-miler on Saturday and then 12 800s and then uh, a 17-miler. I don't know what's after the 17-miler. but So I'm excited about these longer runs and, and, and just sorry, enjoying those. How, how far are you going Saturday? Uh, Saturday I'm going 15. So you've got a 15, a 17, and then your race is just four weeks out, right? October yep. 20th? And then, yep, and then Hershey. Um, and, and actually, Hershey is pretty hilly, so Chris, would you give me the same advice as you gave? Uh, I think yeah, it was, so. that's a good, sure. um, it's a good, it's a good question, and, um, and absolutely. When, it is good to run hills. When you're going to be running a hilly race, it is good to run hills. But it's not a good idea to make those hills during your long training runs, especially when you are increasing the distance. And so when you're bumping up to a longer distance, um, whether it is uh, the 14-miler that uh, Sheila is doing or the 15-miler that Nate got, got this weekend, uh, it, when you're going longer than you've gone before, in this, at least in this training cycle, the difficulty is on getting the distance in. Let's not compound that difficulty by adding hills when we don't have to or by increasing the speed or making the ratio more aggressive. That being said, hill work is good. It's great to do hill work. Hit those hills on one of those shorter runs during the week, and, and that's really the time to do those, not hitting on the long run. Those of you that live where it's really hilly, I'm sorry, you know, you're going to have to hit those hills uh, on the long runs anyway because that's where you live. Um, but think about those of us that live where it's really flat and love to race where it's hilly. We've got you know, we to make up hills where I live. We've got to find bridges and, and uh, parking garages and things like that when we want to do full work. Yeah, well, as someone okay. who lives in Cincinnati, it's very hilly. Chris, I got to say, I I don't feel sorry for you. I'm sorry. You're running along the beach. <laughs> Houses for sale in Florida. I'm looking at one out my door right now. Come on down. <laughs> All right. Very good, Nate. And before I let you go, Nate, I want to talk specifically about your a little bit about um, the Bird in Hand Half Marathon. And yeah. as it relates to um, this whole Extra Mile podcast, Galloway Edition, and then other podcasts I've been doing for a while, and building community. Because you yeah. actually met somebody while you were there through the podcast. Tell us about that. Yes, I did. Uh, Dwayne, um, he's from Lancaster. He ran his full, first full marathon in Philly last year while I did my first full marathon at uh, Marine Corps last year. and. So he tried to reach out to me. So we, we met, and he uh, we talked beforehand, and we met up after, and uh, we got some pictures. Um, Dwayne actually got a video of me going through the finish line, um, uh, near the finish line. He's a little bit further away, but he's he's uh, took it while he, as I was going into the finish line. So that was cool. And um, actually, the person I... Um, and he, so he's a contributor to the to the podcast. 
And I actually have uh, the person who ran with me. Uh, she uh, uh, she actually run, ran the whole thing exactly my ratio with me, and she w also listens and. Um, so that that was cool. So I'm bringing the community one who's uh, just listening and one who's contributing, and uh, that's been a cool experience. Just to, we actually sat down. Had, they they served us a meal afterwards, and uh, we sat down and talked. Like we were both best buddies, even though we just met technically this, that morning. So it was good times. So it's a good community we have here with the the running community and the extra mile, both both uh, the regular and. Um, Galloway edition. Very good. Well, um, Dwayne, I'm not, I, I don't usually plug the other podcast on this one, but I, I will tell you this. I'm putting that next episode together, and Dwayne sent some uh, some updates, a couple of updates in um, specific to that race. And uh, so I, I think everybody should head over and listen to that one as soon as that episode comes out. 117, I think it is. And, um, uh, that uh, Besides the fact that you two met up, which I think is very cool, that race itself just sounds like an amazing race. Um, yeah, and it, it seriously is a must-do for all our listeners out there. Um, it truly is a world-class event. I mean, I've done a, not a whole bunch of different ones, but they did such an amazing job. To, the uh, From the medals to the organization, I have zero um, negative things to say about it uh, with... with um, uh, Baryasso kind of making that article in uh, Runner's World and everything. It's just an amazing event. It's a small event, but very world-class. So definitely highly recommend it. Put it on your bucket list. They didn't pay me to say that, but I highly <laughs> Well, very good. Um, I think that's all I got for today. I want to thank everybody. I'm, I'm, um, I think this is just so very cool to, to be able to be a little fly on the wall, and um, I appreciate you guys letting us letting us do that. Um, and, and I know everybody's getting so close now, and it, the, the drama's building, the excitement's building, and, and certainly I can't wait to see how everybody does. So um, until next time, next, uh, I guess, two and a half weeks or so, and we'll check back in. Good luck with, um, with your training, and um, stay in touch. Thanks very much for joining us today, especially you, Chris. I know you're a busy guy. Oh, gosh. When you're doing what you love for a living, you're never too busy. True, true. You, you guys all take care, and thanks for, uh, thanks for stopping by today. Thanks, Kevin. Thanks, thanks Kevin. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Episode 5 of the Extra Mile Podcast, Galloway Edition. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. I'm getting kind of excited for these three guinea pigs. I'm so, so grateful they have allowed us all to be a little fly on the wall. Good stuff. So episode 6, give me uh, three weeks to put that guy out. And that's going to be a big episode. We've got... Weeks 13, 14, and 15 of the Galloway Half Marathon Training Program. And within that time period, we have two long runs. Our first 12 and a half miler, and then a 14 miler. Yeah, 14. Yeah, for you math whizzes, that one's going to be longer than your half marathon race. And 
we will talk to Jeff a little bit about that fact in the next episode. We'll also catch up with our guinea pigs, who all have some pretty big training weeks coming up. And lastly, as you heard Jeff and I talk a little bit about today, um, I think we spend a lot of time talking about why we all run, why we use run, walk, run, and the fact that we'd like to be running until we are 100. But there is one group of little human beings that we all love more than ourselves and want better things for than we even want for ourselves. And that's those little cute rugrats that we have running around the house, our kids. So we're going to discuss raising fit kids and specifically how this very cool run, walk, run thing can be adapted to help that happen, even with our kids. So on the next episode, we'll talk about raising fit kids with Jeff and using run, walk, run. So until next time, Jeff, Chris, and I all thank you profusely for the download. We don't take it lightly that you would take us along with you and spend time with us today. Check out the webpage, www.thegallowayextramile.com for all of the show notes and links to the things that we spoke about today. You'll also find the comment line where we certainly welcome your comments or questions for Jeff. We'll try to get them right in front of Jeff. And until next time, y'all enjoy your extra mile. joining us on the extra mile podcast galloway edition please visit our website at www.thegallowayextramile.com to see the show notes for this episode of the podcast you can email us with your feedback about the show at thegallowayextramile at gmail.com if you would like to send us your audio comments about the show or have questions about run walk run please send an audio file to thegallowayextramile at gmail.com we'd love to hear from you Thanks very much for downloading the show and we look forward to joining you again soon on the next edition of the Extra Mile Podcast, Galloway Edition. Boys, I'm a-